Thank you so much, Grace and Nathan and Ruth. Really appreciate your help this morning. I just want to spend a few minutes in Second Peter chapter 1. These verses just seem to leap off the page at me this week when I was reading them. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to remind you of something you either already know or tell you something you don't know. But we all need the reminder. I know I do. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. The title this morning is Everything You Need. Or I'll say Everything We Need. Second Peter 1 verse 3. I'm reading in the New King James. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I want to read that again, and I'm going to read it in the NIV. It's not my favorite translation, but this for this verse, I love the way it reads in the NIV. So let's try it again. 2 Peter 1 verse 3. The NIV puts it this way. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. If you really just stop and let these words sink in, they're really astonishing. See, in religion, pick any other religion of the world. You have a deity, and you have people trying desperately to beg God to give them what they need. And hopefully he'll listen. And someday they will finally get what they need from God. The cross of Christianity makes it so different because this is telling me, I think, that his divine power has already given me everything I need everything I need. Now, let's just, let's just zoom in and examine this closely. Let's look at these phrases. First of all, I want to settle on everything we need. He's given us everything we need, and the fact that that's past tense. It already has been provided for us. Did you ever see the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks, right? He's stranded on this deserted island, and he's trying to survive. Can you imagine being in that situation, merely trying to survive for however long, and you find out, this didn't happen in the movie, but I'm sure it's happened before, you find out that somehow there was this huge provision of everything you needed to survive. This is what, I'm sure this has happened before, but you didn't know it or else you didn't avail yourself of it. You didn't take it. You didn't receive it, and so you didn't survive. But the Christian life is about so much more than just surviving. We have too many surviving Christians in the church. How are you doing? Oh, I'm surviving. I'm praying. God's going to give me what I need. One of these, he knows what I need. He's given you everything you need, not just to survive, 
the Christian life is about thriving. We are supposed to be the thrivingest people on the planet. I didn't say tithingest. I said thrivingest. Tithing's good, too. I never preach on that. I don't need to. You all are the most generous people on the planet. But we should be the most thriving people on the planet. It should be the mark of our person. People should see that we're not just merely surviving, we're thriving. And when you and I know that his divine power has already given us everything, everything we need. Now let's take this verse apart again. Let's zoom in some more. What is his divine power? It's a particular power. It's the power of the cross. It is his resurrection power. Paul said in Philippians 3 that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. To know him, to get to know him personally, intimately, is automatically to get to know the power of his resurrection. You want that power and operation in your life? Get to know him. His resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is the same power that has given you and I everything we need, everything we need. Jesus needed divine power to raise from the dead. The Bible says, God hath raised him from the dead. The same Jesus who needed the same divine power to raise him from the dead, think of this, is the same exact divine power that has given you and me everything we need. Now let's think some more. Let's move on. Let's think about what this is saying, because we got to get this straight. Doesn't sing, doesn't say everything we want. If God gives me everything I think I want, my life is over. I know this, and I'm dumb enough to keep asking for things that I don't necessarily need. So it says God gives us everything we need. He knows what you, and this is individual too. It's corporate. He has given the body of Christ through the power of the cross everything we need. He's given us, you know, healing and authority to walk in Jesus' name and trample over demons, etc. He's given us the power to see the miraculous, provision. He's given so many things in his Holy Spirit to the church, but this is also individual. He has already provided everything you and I as individuals need to be the person he created and designed you and me each to be. And what I need might not necessarily be what you need, right? But he knows what we need, and he's made it available. Everything we need now, here's the next important part, for life and godliness. Now, if I just stopped there and said for life, I've preached a very carnal, temporal, materialistic message. The idea that God has given me everything I need for life. This is zoe. The Greek word is zoe. An abundant life. It's a particular quality of life. God's given me everything I need for life. Great! I can have a good life. My best life now. <laughs> but it says everything I need for life and godliness. See, the two must go together because if I want to have a successful life, meaning... If I want to be a successful human being, I have to be godly. It's not optional. It's not optional. Godliness is, it means what it sounds like. 
like God, Christ-like. So that means that included in this everything that God has given me for life and godliness, that means that some of the things I don't know that I need, God gives me because I need them to make me more godly. So there are some things God gives me in my life that I didn't want, but God knew I needed. Because this is not just for life. It's for life and godliness. He knows what we need for life and godliness. A successful life is a godly life. A successful human being is a godly human being. Look at Jesus. He was godly, like his father. And so God, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. This verse has, it brings so much freedom. If you could just let it work into your spirit, it brings so much freedom to get up in the morning and whatever you're facing, God's giving me everything I need, everything I need to get through this day, through this job. Someone was just telling me, man, I just, you know, I'm happy except when I think about my job. Then I get all anxious. You know, my insides curl up. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Try being a pastor in 2020. It's the year of no winning. <laughs> you know, and even when there's no pandemic, it's intimidating. You, you know, you get up here and you're responsible to give the word of God. You're responsible for people. You know, we all, we all can relate to this feeling of inadequacy. I am not enough. For the life that God has called me to live. He wouldn't call you to it if he hadn't first already given you everything you need for your life and for godliness to live your life. It's so freeing. I can get up here and I'm not worried. I'm not, you know, and I don't have to perform. There's no pressure. He's giving me everything I need. I can be bold, not because I'm trying, because I'm excited. His divine power is at work in me, and he wants to be at work in you. He's already given you everything you need for life and godliness. Let's move on. How does this work? What does it work through? Through our knowledge of him. We'll go back. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. It only works through knowing him. Otherwise, this is just a nice speech. You can walk away thinking, wow, I really wish that was true. I don't feel like it's true. Well, you don't know him. Get to know him. Get to know this man, this God-man Jesus. Get to know him like you would get to know the person you say yes to in marriage covenant. You say yes, and then you get to know them. As humans, sometimes that's regrettable. But in the divine relationship, it's this marvelous coming to know this divine power that's available to us. Know him. This only happens through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. 
That's why, again, Paul said in Philippians 3, that I might know him. It's an amazing verse, Philippians 3. Read that this week. Paul's listing all of his achievements, his very impressive pedigree, all his accomplishments. He is anything but a failure. He's this huge, remarkable winner. He says all that, and he says, you know what? It's all dung, is what he calls it, literally. It's rubbish. It means nothing. All that matters is that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Uh Uh-oh. But see, that's included in this everything we need. Why does God do that? Because there's a fellowship. There's a certain closeness, a preciousness, an intimacy with God. I can tell you, because I've lived it, that only comes through suffering. And being willing to say yes, I receive everything you've given to me for life and godliness. I want to be godly. So I've got to take the everything. And I thank you, like we talked about last week, and everything. Right? Thanksgiving. Let's go on to verse 4. Just going to stay here in these couple verses. Verse 4, New King James. 2 Peter 1, 4. By which, now this is an adverb. It's just referring back to this resurrection power. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Do you see the verb tense here? This is not the idea of maybe, hopefully, someday, if I'm really lucky, if I achieve, if I try and strive hard enough. No, this is past tense. Have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through what? Through the promises, you may be partakers of the divine Nature. Now, this thought, this partaking of the divine nature just links back to godliness. So he's going to tell us now. First, he's saying this is what's available to you, and now he's telling us this is how you get it. So everything we need, we now know that that's already been made available. There's nothing more God needs to do or give us. Through the cross, everything you and I need is available. How do we get it? Verse 4. Through, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Okay, we've already said you have to know him and you have to realize that we are partakers of the divine nature. This speaks of identity. Read Romans 5 through 8. Identity, partakers of the divine nature. What is it telling us here? See, if I were to read this verse to your average... Um, spiritual but not religious in the sense of new age, pagan religion. It sounds really good. They love this idea that we humans can be partakers of the divine nature. I know this. This is a beautiful idea, this idea that we all contain something of the divine. It's very beautiful. You don't have to be a Christian to love this idea of being partakers of the divine nature. But what does it mean? I mean, without Christ, if this is possible, it's not working. 
<laughs> look around in the world around. Look around you. Look online for that matter. I'm not seeing a lot of divine nature being manifest in my fellow human beings right now. It's not working. As a new age idea, as a humanistic idea, this, if it's without Christ, the idea that we can somehow manifest the divine, it's a nice idea, but I don't see it happening. Especially in my own life, apart from Christ. So it's got to mean something very, very different when you look at this through the cross. See, Christianity changes it up like this. It's not just a matter of, by default, we are somehow partakers of the divine nature because we exist as human beings. No, here's how it works. Through the cross, through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, he first partake, partook of human nature. See, that's how it works. The only reason I get to partake of the divine nature is because Jesus first was willing to partake of my nature. He was willing to partake of human nature. What does that mean? He was willing to take on flesh and blood and all of our idiosyncrasies, our temptations, our weakness. It says there is no, there is, um, uh, let's see. He was, I think Hebrews 4.15 says, he was in all points tested exactly like we are. All points. In every way, he partook of human nature. That's why he literally said, don't let this, if it's your will, God, can you let this cup pass from me? He was partaking of human nature. Our ridiculous flaws and failures, our weakness, our proneness to fail miserably, he partook. It doesn't mean he sinned. It says, in all points he was tempted, yet he did not sin because he also had the divine nature. He was the God-man, 100% man and 100% God. But there was this legal transaction that took place at the cross where he says, look, I'm going to become one of you so that you can become like me. It's been called the great exchange. And now you and I can be partakers of the divine nature. The, the Greek, the literal word is, is a, an associate, a partner, one who shares. Through these promises, you may now be partakers of the divine nature. It's a metamorphosis. Our fleshly nature went to the grave with Jesus. And by identification, we can agree and say, yes, my old person died with him. And when he rose, I arose to new life. Now, as someone who freely partakes of the divine nature, everything he is, I am, I can be. Through him, through the power of the cross, everything he has, he has given me everything I need for life and godliness. That's the only way. The only way to partake of this divine nature is not through, not through some, some new age idea. It's the power of the cross. It's the great exchange. His nature for mine. It's so freeing. It's not a self-improvement program. It's a death program. It's a funeral. It's a barrier. A burial. 
It's new life, a new identity. So we can be partakers of this divine nature through these promises we have from God, these exceeding great and precious promises, and through knowing him, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice it says, having es- I believe this means having escaped the effects of corruption, right? Because if we don't literally just escape corruption, we'd all have to leave earth, leave planet. We'd have to become hermits and stay at home, like even when there's no pandemic. But to escape the corruption... It simply means we get to escape the effects of corruption. It has no hold on me. can't touch me. I partake of the divine nature. I have everything I need so that the corruption in the world around me can't phase me. I don't get worked up about it. I'm not anxious. I'm not in fear. I'm not angry. I've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Meaning through, I mean, look, we were born lustful, the reason for all the problems in the world, from wars to petty differences in a household, all of it is lust. I want what I want, and I'll do anything to get it. We can escape that, the effects of all that, because we partake in the divine nature. So wonderful. See, there are two ways to partake of the Father's nature. Just as in the natural, there are two ways to partake of your parents' nature. See, I can give birth to my daughter, my beautiful daughter sitting back there. I can give birth to her, and automatically she's got my DNA. And if you know her, it's true. She's like a mini-me. I just, I love her. She's, she's become my friend. It's wonderful when that happens. It's wonderful. It's amazing when that happens. And we have so much in common. We just get each other. We can read each other's mind, right? Finish each other's sentences. There's two reasons for that. Number one, it's by birth. She has my DNA. But the other reason, she knows me. It's a relationship. She was raised in my house. I raised her. I helped raise her. See, because I could have given birth to her, and she could have been raised by other parents and be a totally different person, despite having my DNA. We've got some beautiful little girls in this church who are being raised by someone other than their birth mother, and because of that knowledge of the mom and dad, through knowing them, through imitating them, through watching them, they are now able to partake of their nature. We know that. I mean, you can look at those little girls, and they're amazing, and you know that if, if not for these new parents they have, they'd be very different. You could just guess. I mean, you, could just, you can just guess how different their lives would be, but how different they would be. Their very nature would be different. See, they are now getting to partake of Smith nature. <laughs> Oops, can't say that on camera, but anyway. <laughs> This is why I should never go live. I'm just like the wrong person for this. (laughs) Anyway, for you and I to partake of the divine nature, we must first be born again, born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. We are are blood-bought. You could say his blood does run through our veins. We were born again through the Spirit by the work of the cross and the resurrection. So there's the rebirth, but if we don't let him raise us, what does it say? You've been raised through Christ in Romans 5, I believe. 
the same God who raised Jesus from the dead has raised you. Let's think of this image, this word picture. He's raised you from the dead. If you don't let him raise you, you won't get to partake of his divine nature, not in the way he wants you to. You can say, yes, I'm born again. Yep, I'm born again. But people might go, but I can't tell you're a Christian. Like, I'd never know that watching you. I really can't tell. Oh, God, don't let that be my story. It has been. It has been. But as I get to know him, as I stay close to him, through the power of his resurrection, he's raising me. He's the, new, he's the father. He's my father. He is now the one raising me. He's now the one raising me. I've got a new home, a new family, right? A new family. So he's raising me in a way that I can now partake of the divine nature. I can partake. I can share in that. I can share in the family DNA, the family of God. Rebirth and relationship. It has to be those two things. And through those, we find that we have everything we need. Look, do your daughters have everything they need for life? You're making sure of that. You, I know you're making absolute sure of that, that they have everything they need for a, for a successful life. What good parent wouldn't? He has made sure if you're not sure how much he's made sure, look at the cross. He's made sure this much that you have everything you need for life and godliness so that through these great and precious promises, you and I can partake now of the divine nature. No more old identity. No more old birth parent through Adam and Eve. No more partaking of that nature. That's the old life. We've been reborn. And now we can enter into a relationship with him that is day by day, hour by hour, that will enable us to escape the corruption that is in the world and partake of the divine nature. Isn't that wonderful? Everything we need. So what you can do is read the rest of this chapter this week because it goes on. I'm going to close now, but... It goes on in verse 5. He says, for this very reason, add to your faith virtue. Why does he start with faith? Because faith is where it starts. We've got to believe this. Everything I said, if we don't believe it, don't bother trying to add the other stuff. This is called the ladder of virtues, this passage as it continues on. He says, add to your faith self-control, temperance, patience, goodness, brotherly kindness. You can't... If you try to add all of that without faith, you're trying to produce fruit without a seed. That's just the fruit. The faith is the seed. Yes, I believe. I take you as my Savior, my Lord, and my Master, and my Father. Thank you that I can now partake in the divine nature. And you have given me everything I need. See, all these things, brotherly kindness, and the verses that are to follow, temperance, patience, that's part of the everything, but we got to take it. It's no good just saying, yep, he's given me everything I need. Yep, you never reach out and take it. Never seek for it. Never grow in it. Amen.
Grace is going to come and we're going to close in a music special for you. I don't think she'd get away with coming here and not playing her violin. <laughs> but we're going to play Great is Thy Faithfulness. And uh, Sarah, I don't know if you can find that song and put the words up on the screen. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. If not, that's okay. Um, but I, maybe most of us or some of us know the words to this hymn. It's just a beautiful hymn. So we're going to close with this. And, um, but let's pray, shall we? Father God, we love you. You're so good. You're so good, yes, even in 2020. You have given us everything we need. And Father God, I don't want to start out in 2021 not knowing that or having forgotten that. Lord, I want to wake up tomorrow morning remembering and knowing in my core you have given me everything I need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called me by glory and virtue. Oh God, give us a craving, a longing, a ravenous hunger to know you. Lord, do that for us. God, it's what we need. It's what we need. We don't need more of the world's news and corruption. Oh, Father, we need your word. We need the exceeding great and precious promises. Father God, would you help us to start feeding on the great and precious promises, the exceeding great and precious promises, because the promises of the world are not all that exceedingly great. They're pretty awful. Lord, help us to feed on the exceedingly great and precious promises so that by these we can be partakers of the divine nature. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.